your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and on today's episode, we have a lot to cover. We are covering your Big Ten West champion, Iowa Hawkeye football team. We're also going to be talking about the Iowa-Virginia basketball game. Basketball does not stop, even though we are all celebrating and excited about football. We have to talk about a very big game that is coming up tonight as you're listening to the show. But first off, I want to thank you all for making the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Lockdown Hawkeyes. And today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head over to netsuite.com slash NCAA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. So let's get into it, y'all. I am elated. I am covering this. I am recording this Sunday morning. It is 7.30 Mountain Time, 8.30 Central Time, and I am on cloud nine. I did not realize how excited I would be about the Iowa Hawkeyes winning the Big Ten West until after Minnesota took down Wisconsin, and I just lost my mind. I hope you can all relate to this. Iowa... We beat Nebraska. What a what a weird game. We covered all of that with Deshaun Daniels. Definitely go check out that post-game recap. Um, it's already posted on YouTube. Um, we already had the podcast episode out as well. That dropped all on Saturday morning. But we already we talked about the, the Nebraska game. That was a huge win. Uh, what an interesting win. A come-from-behind win. There are a lot of things to be concerned about from that game. But I'm going to be happy right now and take in the good and the fact that defense held strong despite struggling a bit against the option. The fact that special teams came through offensively. We did just barely enough, and Caleb Shudok hit four field goals. So we beat Nebraska, and you're thinking, man, we really need a lot of help coming in on the Saturday to either go to a New Year's Six Bowl or to go to the Big Ten Championship game. We needed a lot of help. The easiest path was for Minnesota to, or to beat Wisconsin. Minnesota beats Wisconsin. Iowa goes to the Big Ten Championship game. They are now in a win-and-in situation. Also, Iowa could absolutely just wreck the college football playoff rankings. If Iowa beats Michigan, they are going to the Rose Bowl. If anyone's out there telling you a two-loss Iowa team has a shot at the college football playoff, they're wrong. I There's no way in heck that is happening. Um, we'll see where the college football playoff committee puts Iowa in this week. My guess is they're going to be right around that 13 12 to 13 ish range. The win, you know, the win against Nebraska, it was impressive given the fact that they came back from so far behind. But the committee is not going to value that a ton. But they are going to devalue other teams due to losses, like a Wisconsin, for example. They're going to be dropping Wisconsin. We'll see how much they drop Oklahoma um, in that game. We'll see if they drop Michigan State at all. Michigan State does beat Penn State. That could have that would have been huge for Iowa's chances here. But the big takeaway here is when I look at the way the Big Ten is shaken out. You have Michigan at the top. You arguably have Ohio State, number two, despite getting shellacked against Michigan. Uh, that was really – it was closer than what I really felt like that game was. Michigan was kind of in control throughout the game. 
After that, you have Michigan State. I'm just going off of the rankings now. So you have you have Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. Then you get Iowa. Now, what's really going to be interesting is how does the committee value Iowa, a, a two-loss Iowa team versus a four-loss Wisconsin that they lost the, the head-to-head. How does the committee value a two-loss Iowa team versus a two-loss Michigan State team? And then when Iowa plays in the Big Ten championship game, yes, I, I like you, want Iowa to win that game. I am so ecstatic. And if they win that game, I'm going to be doing cartwheels around the neighborhood. Last night after Iowa won, I literally took my dog on a two-mile sprint around the neighborhood. I was so excited about the game. I just couldn't even – I just couldn't control it. Just so pumped after seeing Minnesota take down Wisconsin. But we have to be thinking about all scenarios here. And if Iowa does lose the Big Ten championship game, where does that put them at? It honestly depends a lot on the result of that game. This is the one case where having the college football playoff committee, despite how terrible it actually is, does kind of help a little bit. You do get bonus points or style points for losing close games uh, against very good teams. So there's a chance Iowa, even after a loss, could slide up depending on how they play, depending on how other teams play. The best chance, though, is to win and they're in. Now, I had a very nice kind of outline of all the different bowl game scenarios for Iowa. I truly think unless Iowa just absolutely craps the bet against Michigan, unless they get blown out by 45 points, the minimum, the worst bowl Iowa goes to is the Citrus Bowl. The worst. I think that is the absolute bottom of the barrel they go when they're already a top four Big Ten ranked team. Again, it also depends on where Michigan State's at. But if they keep it close against Michigan, if they beat Michigan, they go to the Rose Bowl. You beat Michigan, you're in the Rose Bowl. Let's go to Pasadena. Let's all have a blast down there. It should be a lot of fun. If you lose to Michigan, it really depends on where the committee has you at and how much they value that loss. But more than likely what's going to happen is we're going to have Michigan then going to the college football playoffs. We will have, I'm assuming, Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And then you have, at that point, if you're an Iowa fan, ideally Iowa is still in that top 12 and there's not some interesting things happening, right? Like since he's still there, all that fun stuff. And then Iowa can maybe take a final New Year's six slot. If Iowa is not going to get that New Year's six spot, if they are below Michigan State, you hope that Michigan State gets that New Year's six spot and Iowa can slide into the Citrus Bowl. I guess the very, very, very worst case scenario is that Michigan State doesn't get a New Year's six bowl. Iowa loses poorly and they probably end up in the outback. Um, but again, I think when you look at this this season and the expectations we had going into the season, I predicted nine and three, ten and two, somewhere in that range. Unfortunately, I did predict the Purdue loss. I also thought Iowa would lose one of their first two games potentially. Um, so when you look at it like that, you have to be happy with where we are. We're, we have a shot. We have a win and in shot. If you had told me at the end of the, at the beginning of this season that Iowa would go ten and two and be playing in the Big Ten championship game, I don't care how we got there, but ten and two playing in the Big Ten championship game, you better believe I would be absolutely pumped up and ready to go about this season. I also think Iowa matches up better against Michigan. I truly believe that. And throughout this week, we're going to be talking about that. We have a very action-packed week long. 
uh, of episodes coming up for you every single day. We're going to have a crossover episode with Isaiah Hull, who covers Michigan. Um, we're going to have a couple other guests on as well. I'll try to get some other guests on to talk about it. And obviously a big storyline is going to be who's going to start next week. Is it Alex Padilla or is it Spencer Petras? Michigan has some very dominant defensive linemen. Our offensive line has looked better, but can they hold up? Those are all things we're going to be talking about throughout the week. So stay tuned for all of that this week. It is going to be a lot of fun right here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. And again, thank you all for tuning in to every single episode that we drop right here. I do want to remind you all, for all of you college football fanatics out there, that Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in daily college sports fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. They also offer any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. And right now, all you have to do when you play these games, you pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can actually 10x any entry you put in. It's just you versus the projected numbers. They also allow you mixed sport entry. So you want to do Iowa basketball and Iowa football, you can do that at prizepicks.com. So use their award-winning app, and you can make these entries within 60 seconds or less. But the best part is right now, for all of our listeners, if you go to prizepicks.com and use the promo code Locked On, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com today and use the promo code Locked On, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And again, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. We are excited to be here. We're going to be dropping shows every single day this week. And just a reminder to definitely check out our episode with LaShawn. We did a great job kind of breaking down everything that was going on in that game. Man, what, what a week, y'all. I am just so, so beyond ecstatic. We're going to be talking about the Iowa-Virginia basketball game here in a second, but I do want to quickly go over some of the analytics from Iowa's win over Nebraska. Now, you all probably have thoughts on the Alex Padilla versus Spencer Petras conversation, and here's what I will say. I have my opinions. You all have your own opinions, and that's okay. Let's be cordial about those opinions, though. I personally and still a fan of Alex Padilla running this offense. Now, the stats against North Nebraska do not say that, and I'm okay with I understand that. But I think what Iowa can do from a play-calling standpoint, I think what Alex can do in the pocket and out of the pocket does give Iowa a lot more advantages. Now, he had he has had four or five throws this season that were really bad, should have been picked off. And we talked about that with LaShawn as well. The trade-off is you have Spencer, who is going to be a bit more protective with the football. But I do want to show you, I do want to talk about one stat there. He is going to be a bit more protective with the football. He's not going to take as many shots, and he can't move in the pocket. It, it's really kind of a, do you want a boomer bust or a very consistent? Now, Ricky Stanzi, you could argue, was a boomer bust. He was a very high ceiling, low four kind of player. A guy who could throw a pick six, two pick sixes in a row and turn around and lead you to victory. He was not the guy, though, that was going to hold on to the football, not take chances, not take risks. I think Spencer is more on the not take chances, not take risk train, whereas Alex Padilla 
We have to live with the good and the bad. He's going to take shots. He's going to give his wide receivers opportunities. Now, whether or not he was sick in this game is definitely something to be to be wary of. Was he healthy enough? I don't know. Was Spencer healthy enough? He definitely looked better. But when you look at these stats of this game, Alex Padilla, uh, clearly the loser from the stat perspective, 42.9% uh, completion percentage and adjusted completion percentage of 54.5 compared to Spencer who had a 53.8 and an adjusted 66.7. Only one drop in this game, so drops definitely improved uh, from last week where we had just – it seemed like every other play was a drop. Alex was sacked twice. Spencer not sacked at all. The line, again, we've talked about this, but the offensive line has gotten a lot better. The pass blocking grade for the offensive line was a 76.5. So overall, a pretty strong day for this offensive line. Mason Richmond getting back into the lineup, um, going over to the left tackle spot, played in 37 snaps. Jack Plum played on the right side, had 60 snaps. Again, overall, not a bad day. Jack Plum did allow three of the eight pressures. Also, Kyler Schott allowed three of the eight pressures. And Connor Colby allowed that really bad uh, sack on Alex, which kind of got Cody in some playing time as well. But as we talked about with LeSean, having an offensive line that is kind of where they are, you're not going to continually rotating them, does help the continuity of the team, does help the pass blocking efforts. And we've seen that get better so when you look at Spencer yes he can't move but if this offensive line is going to give him time that's a recipe for success now we're going up against a Michigan team that has a very good defensive line so that'll be a very big test for them going back to the passers though Spencer and Alex Alex had two turnover worthy plays and zero big time throws Spencer meanwhile had two big time throws and two turnover worthy plays I'm going to go back and put the stats together for this whole year to kind of compare these two but when you talk about Spencer and some of his throws there were a few bad throws. Uh, the throw that he had across the middle that Nico Regani caught was arguably the ugliest throw I have ever seen. But he had some really nice dimes on the sideline as well. Honestly, I was more Alex Padilla trained for the last three games. I will say what I saw from Spencer did get me on board with we're really in a good spot where we have two quarterbacks that we can play with at any given time. We're at, we have two quarterbacks that I feel comfortable with going into the game to a degree, depending on the flow of the game and the situation of the game. What I saw from Spencer that doesn't show up on the stats is that in previous games, when the pocket was collapsing, more often than not, he tucked the ball away, took a sack. In this game against Nebraska, he was throwing those footballs and delivering them accurately to other players. That was a huge development because for Spencer, one of the biggest issues I saw was not was not necessarily the, the, the sacks all the time. It was the fact that he wasn't willing to try to get the ball out. If anyone even got close, he was taking a sack as opposed to trying to throw that ball with pressure in his face and behind him. So that was a really impressive development from my perspective on Spencer in this game. Going over to the receiver train, um, we saw when Spencer come in or came in that the receivers kind of switched up a little bit. We saw a little bit more Tyrone Tracy. We saw a little bit more Nico Regani as well. Overall, snap count, 46 snaps for Keegan Johnson. He's clearly the number one. Charlie Jones got 35. Arlen got 29. Nico, 28. And Tyrone, 11. In the running game, Tyler Goodson had a career day. 23 rushes, 153 yards, 6.7 yard per carry average. 3.7 of those coming after contact, which is a lot of fun to see. And a lot of the success has come up the middle. 132 yards for the whole team through the two guards, or in between the two guards, I should say. And as we talked about, LeSean, 
We do not do well with this outside zone. We have not done well with the outside zone the entire year. And we moved away from that mostly. We had a couple losses on that. But for the most part, we've stayed consistent going up the interior, right behind Tyler, right behind Connor and Kyler, and have done a really successful job there. The reverses yesterday were not working. I don't want to see two trick plays on uh, Friday. The two trick plays in a row, not exactly great. But it's good to have those things on film because you can start playing off of those things and faking those and the team actually respecting that fake and then opening up other opportunities elsewhere. The, um, Gavin Williams, oh my gosh. If Tyler Goodson returns, I think we're going to see a little bit less Tyler Goodson next year and a lot more of a, a LeSean, Akram, Wadley kind of backfield. Gavin Williams is a guy who just a He's a force, and I'm excited to watch him kind of pound it up again. 17 snaps in this game. He has been a very dynamic duo or making a dynamic duo with Tyler Goodson. Again, if they stay or if Tyler stays, Tyler and Gavin could form a formidable duo that could rival what we saw with Akram and LeSean as well. Now, we talked a lot about play calling in previous games. I had a lot of tweets saying that Brian Ferentz's play calling was garbage. I didn't get a chance to post this. Um, LeSean and I talked about this after the game, but I asked him, I was like, what are your thoughts on the play calling? Because personally, I liked it. I thought the play calling for the most part was pretty good. There's always going to be a few plays you want to have back, but a lot of people were getting upset. Iowa throws for three straight plays and they go three and out. There's that second drive early in the game. Here's what I would say to that. The reason Iowa gets in trouble with the running game is because they do the exact same thing on first down. They're not willing to take chances. They're not willing to throw the football. It's a very old school mindset. When you're willing to throw the football and be successful on that, it then opens up your first down attack because you can do a myriad of different things and the defense is not going to key in on you just running the football. We've seen this in a lot of other games. Teams just load the box because they know I was running on first down. But when you show them that you're going to throw the ball and you can do it successfully on first down, it now opens that up on other first down plays. Now, granted, we do that. We get sacked. Now we're back at second and 17. You're not going to try to get 17 yards in each play. You're trying to do those in chunks. We don't do a lot. That second play puts us in a very disadvantageous position. Um, really, just kind of that play all got blown up by that sack. Execution was not there. The play call, though, was not the problem. And honestly, I thought this is one of Brian Ferentz's better called games, save for maybe two trick plays in the red zone back-to-back. Um, they clearly were, were on that. Um, I would have liked to see a jet motion and end around something like that. But nevertheless, um, I was very impressed to play calling. Moving over to the defensive side of the football, not a lot to say here other than coverage-wise uh, or defensive-wise, this is our worst defensive performance of the season, according to PFF, a 64.5. Our coverage grade was 69.3. Our linebackers were kind of struggling in coverage all day. Uh, Seth Benson, 53.1 coverage grade, was credited with seven allowed catches on eight targets. Justin Jacobs had a 43.9 grade. Um, so a little bit of a struggle bus for our linebackers, but cornerbacks-wise, Riley Moss had another great day despite having no PCL, a 74.1. Jamari Harris had a, a solid day all around, 60.6. The rush defense, not a good performance, third worst on the season. Tackling, though, that was really where we won the day at. Tackling, the pursuit, um, all I, – I mean, Tiger Hawks were flying to the football all day long. It was a lot of fun to see that. And especially with an option type offense, you need to have Tiger Hawks flying the football. Otherwise, you're going to be put in positions that are not going to be good for your team. And Iowa did a great job of sound tackling and swarming to the football all day. The pass rush did get better. It was definitely better towards the end of the game. And we knew going into this game that Nebraska's tackles were not very good. Iowa took advantage of them, though. 12 pressures on the day. Lucas Van Ness um, had the best defensive grade, 76.1. 
um, had the third most defensive line snaps. So really carving out an integral role in this defensive line. He's a guy. He's going to be an all-Big Ten player at some point in his career. So a lot of fun this Iowa-Nebraska game. We're going to be talking more about Iowa-Michigan, though, starting tomorrow throughout the week. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, going to be a lot of fun throughout this week. We're going to be talking about the Iowa-Virginia game here in a second, though. Before that, this is it. It's the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. And with NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. Head over to netsuite.com slash NCAA for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That is netsuite.com slash NCAA. All right, y'all. And it is here, the best Monday of the year. It is Cyber Monday. November 29th, you're listening to this. Cyber Monday is here, and at built.com, that's B U I L T.com, it is the place to aim your mouse. Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That is 20% off site wide, and even bigger discounts on built boost, built broth, and built swag. A brand new built, far, built bar flavor has also landed just in time for Cyber Monday Caramel Almond Delight, and it literally delivers everything you would possibly want Caramel, caramelized chocolate. A caramelized chocolate, check. I can't say caramel very well. Almonds, check. Delightful, double check. Be sure to get yours before they are gone. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein. And if you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs before, they are so good. They also have a new flavor as well, white chocolate cheesecake. So check that out. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. Go to built.com. That's B-U-I-L-T.com for those incredible tasting new bars and 20% off everything there. Head over to built.com and enter the promo code LOCKED20 for additional 20% off before it is too late. All right, y'all. We talked a lot about football. I do not want to forget about Iowa basketball. The men's basketball team is taking on Virginia in a very important game today. It is a game. It's the first test. It's really the first test for Iowa. And now Virginia is not the same Virginia as old a lot of transfers they lost a ton of production this past season 70 percent of their production from last year gone now they replaced that with some transfers you have armand franklin a guy we can all be familiar with a guard at indiana who transferred over to virginia Jaden gardner an east carolina transfer a six foot six guy who really bangs down low um kind of a a shorter reggie evans type of guy um he's an interesting character as well these are guys that are all transfers in. So when you look at basketball teams, Virginia might be a better team later in the season, but as they are growing together, there's a lot of growing pains. And Virginia struggled a little bit to this point. They are 5-2 and two with their wins coming over Radford, who's 270th at Kempom, Coppin State, 331, Georgia, 175. Providence was a big win, 74th ranked Providence, and 292nd ranked Lehigh. Their losses were to Navy, 66 to 58, who is the 149th ranked team in Ken Palm, and also a pretty bad loss to Houston, 67 to 47, who is the fifth ranked Ken Palm team. So 
what to expect from Virginia and what to expect in this game. First and foremost, this is the first test. Virginia has some length, some size down low. They have a six foot eleven starting center, Caden Shedrick. Their backups are six foot ten and seven foot one. So Iowa, this is going to be interesting. Do they stay small? We've seen lineups go as small as Connor McCaffrey at the five, or is it now time where we see Joshua Gundelay and Riley Mulvey in these games? Josh is a guy who can play defense, but we haven't seen his offensive game really translate too much. I saw some nice things against Portland State, which was a W. I know we didn't get a cover, but that was a W. But this is going to be a really important game. If the size is hurting Iowa, we could see a little bit more Josh and a little bit more Riley. As we saw in the NCAA tournament, though, size is not everything. Oregon had their tallest player at six foot six, and they dominated Iowa despite having Luka Garza. So that'll be really interesting to see how does Iowa play in this game. This is going to be the first big test and also the most realistic test for what Iowa is going to go through in the Big Ten. Defensively, if you've watched college basketball, you know that Virginia is one of the best defenses in the nation year in and year out. That has not changed. They are also a very, very, very slow pace of play team. They are 358th in adjusted tempo, 25th in adjusted defensive efficiency, and 100th in offensive adjusted efficiency. Their steal percentage is 48th. Their block percentage is 9th. So this is going to be a challenge for a team that has shown they have those chops to play very good offense. They are a top 10. This Iowa team is a top 10 ranked Ken Palm offensive unit. But they haven't gone up against anyone. Can they do it against a Virginia team? Also, if their shot isn't falling, because it's going to be tough to get their shot, can they play enough defense to slow or stop Virginia? Again, this is a really fun game. We get a good team. An ACC team, a good matchup against Virginia. We're on the road, a challenging environment, and we're going up against a team that is going to give us a more realistic look at how this Iowa basketball team can play throughout the season. We're going to know a lot more about Iowa after tonight's basketball game. Ken Palm currently is predicting a 68-67 to win by Iowa. Um, some of the guys to watch out for, though, again, we talked about the fact that Riley and Josh are probably going to get some playing time in this. Again, a good barometer for them. Virginia has a lot more size. They're a very defensively focused team. I already mentioned Armand Franklin, a very talented guard. Jaden Gardner, a banger down low. The other guy to watch out for is Kahai Clark. The only real veteran on this team has been there for a while. He's really also the only outside shot person they have, shooting 38% from three. So when you look at this game, um, it's going to come down to, can Iowa bang down low and stop the big men of Virginia? Can they play their own game? get up tempo, get Virginia out of sorts, and can they hit their shot and can they play solid defense? Yes, that is the key to every basketball game, but especially against a Virginia team that is going to be really interesting in this game. I'll look forward to covering all that, though, after tonight's game. I'll be watching that. I'll be covering it uh, probably on Wednesday's episode just because I'm not going to you know, stay up and, and then record after that. I want to hang out with my wife after this, so I'll take notes then record the following day as well. So be on the lookout for that. I want to thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. If you want more Locked On content and want to know how to bet at betonline.ag, you have to check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Locked On Bets can be found every single day wherever you find podcasts at, just like the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. So if you want to put more money in your pocket, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Thank you all again for tuning in to today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. We're here every single day, Monday through Friday. So stay tuned for that. Have a fantastic Monday, y'all, and let's go, Hawks.